you may not know his face. Hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. Oh! But if you recognize his voice. Oh, yes. You're among the devoted followers who watch him chase breaking news on CBS2 and KCAL 9 News. Stolen vehicle uh, officers, weapons out. In the air and now on a mic. That's kind of nuts. Here's Stu Mundell. <laughs> Okay, and we're back once again. Uh, this one is, uh, what are we, number 15? Number 15? 15? 14? 14? 12? 13? Anyway, we're back. Uh, I'm Stu Mandel, and this is In the Air with Stu Mandel. Today, uh, we're uh, talking to two gentlemen that are from a new show on Discovery called Sticker Shock. Now, I got to tell you, I watched the trailer very, I, I got sucked in, got sucked in instantly. I'm looking at this. I'm thinking car show. God, that, that's a huge plus for me. And then it's, you're, they're talking about different types of vehicles. There's not just one group in here. And then we're talking about obviously sticker shock, talking about pricing, how the prices come about. And it almost seemed like a little bit like antique roadshow meets an auction meets people that have really cool cars. So today I'm sitting here with Todd Wurderman. Correct? Wortman. 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 And Nick, how do you say your last name? Uh, Smith. Smith. Yeah. Nick Smith. Yeah. So, guys, tell me, about, tell me about the project. What do you guys got going on here? Uh, it, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's essentially Antiques Roadshow. It's more about uh, people, their history with the car. Uh, or motorcycle we've got coming up. and we've tank, got bikes in there too. And tank as of last night. Um, <laughs> their history with the car. They've owned it for a long time. They've, they've inherited it. They, one story last, great story last night was it was his first car. He sold it and after about 10 years managed to get it back. So That's there's, awesome. there's lots of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we're there as sort of advisors on, on the value of the car as it sits today. Mm -hmm. What could be done? Is it worth restoring the car? Should leave it as is and just enjoy it for what it is? Uh, so it's a little educational, little value. A lot of educational sounds like. We oftentimes meet people that have an incredible attachment to the car, and that's sort of the hook of the show, is these aren't always highly valuable, super rare cars. Right. They are people with a rare connection to the car. And once they explain that to us and they tell us how important it is to them, and we see it kind of needing a few things, which is our specialty. We're sort of like, okay. Now all of a sudden you're it, in one of those spots where it you... It doesn't really matter what it's worth, yeah. but here's a few things you could do to take yeah. a little better Look care of it. Look at my beautiful dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not that. It, need, it needs a haircut and a tail's clipped. <laughs> So, so I, I didn't realize that from, from the clip. So these aren't people that are like looking to sell their vehicles. These are people that are attached to their vehicles, that, that have something that are bringing them to you. No, we're, we're hearing stories. Uh, it doesn't matter what it's worth. I'm never, ever going to sell it. So then oh, you okay. actually have to explain to them what it is worth, what and, it is worth. and then watch the reaction. We found an amazing um, connection. You know, there's people that have a, a family story. Uh, that's one thing. Those are easy to understand. But we found another side of it where... There are people who their social outlet and now their social circle is is centered around right. the car. Either it's a club or the, the shows that they go to every right. Saturday after Saturday and see the same people. So we find that if they were to ever sell it, what would they do next Saturday? And so that becomes, you know, an interesting thing. People become, co they become car centric in their <laughs> lives. They're, it's all about, it's all about the car. I know a couple people like that. Trust me. Uh, so how did you find, how did you find these people? Was there like a casting call? Because I, I certainly didn't get that. I didn't see the ad in, on Twitter or anything saying, hey, come on, show your car. There was a lengthy casting call uh, long before we ever came on. I think they spent a couple of months. Um, 
advertising a lot in online forums for the car clubs and then just taking submissions. And they did a, a very good job, in my opinion, of having people submit their stories, submit their photos, and then ultimately doing a Skype interview. So of course, we, we had a few people who showed up awfully camera shy, but they there was at least a story behind there. And Dennis Pitzenberger, our, our host, did a great job of dragging it out of them. I got I to gotta ask, I mean, you guys seem very extremely knowledgeable on, on cars. I mean, this is your this is your thing, right? So were there ever a time where somebody brought something in or you got that email and the, or the producer said, oh, we're going to do this, and you guys were like, what the? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> really? Without doubt. Yeah, we were given very little time to, uh, to prep and, uh, and frantically do our research on, on the, the, the more regular cars, um, you know, checking numbers and, and uh, chassis plates and uh, data plates and everything to make sure that it was what it was. But there were a few cars in there that, that or a few things that threw us for, for a loop. Threw you guys for a loop. So, I mean, without giving anything away from the show, because everybody needs to tune in, I guess this is on uh, going to be on Wednesdays, as I understand it, on, on Discovery. Uh, what, was, what was one of the ones that stood out? What was like one of the ones where you just were like, uh-oh? <laughs> it, it was the, one of the oddest things there. I actually have uh, experience with selling a couple of them, but it was a Briggs and Stratton um, uh, auto cycle. So it's basically a buckboard. Wow. So it's basically a go kart. It looks like a, uh -huh. man, a homemade go kart. I had a Briggs and Stratton go kart when I was a kid. Exactly. But well, this was actually an original thing from 1919. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I didn't even know. See, there you go. There's that, this is the reason why I love shows like this because a lot of times you come across things that you just, like even today, you, you still find things where I just go, wow, I didn't even know that existed. What, what does make a car rare? We're not just talking about the personal attachment, the love, but what makes, what makes a car uh, worth more than another car? Like, especially when you're talking something older, is it, is it going to be the, the styling? Is it going to be the, how rare it is? I mean, is there something that really stands out? A lot of people believe that rarity is the overall determining factor, and that's that's absolutely not true. There are then gremlins would be like the the big thing. Gremlins in Vegas, everybody would want one. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Four wheel drive AMC wagons. Yeah, are, I like are those too. Quite rare, but yeah. not all that valuable. So, um, if the car was designed by somebody um, well known and they did a good job, or it was successful at racing or did something um, important in the period, then um, it can be very, very desirable. Um, what people do in the mass-produced world, so to make a Chevy Impala or a Corvette or something rare, there's absolutely nothing rare about any year of Corvette. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you could make rare about it would be the, the configuration. So you find people um, doing research and saying, oh, mine was built with, with these wheels and air conditioning and that engine right. with this horsepower. Right, right, right. And so they, they create this, they, they narrow this list down to a fine point that says, oh, this is a very rare Corvette. It's the only yellow Corvette with green interior. Well, that doesn't make it. That doesn't that make it rare. Doesn't make it, it overwhelmingly valuable. Very valuable. It, you know, that, that's that's the thing too that I find a lot with uh, the automotive world. It is almost to the point where it's becoming artwork. It's it, you you can put a price tag on something, but unless people pay that, then it's not really worth that. Isn't is that the way you guys see it's it? It's worth. I work for an auction company. It's certainly worth what someone's prepared to pay on the day, and. There's also sort of the anti-rare thing. Uh, I liken it to uh, the toys that you had as a kid or the toys that you got in a cornflake packet. Um, they got thrown away. 
Right. So you mentioned Gremlins and Pacers. Right. A, a Pacer just sold super original car, super low miles. Just sold at an auction a, a couple of months ago for twenty odd thousand dollars. What? Twenty six thousand dollars from memory. <laughs> um, because find me one. Yeah, they made true. millions of them. It was the joke of the automotive automotive industry. But right. Everyone scrapped them and got rid they, of them. They got, they got rid of them. So so in and of itself that is a rarity so that so it it, it, it it that's the thing about the whole automotive world is you can't really just say this is worth this because it is it, it there's so many variables mm-hmm. um and, and as you're talking with the uh, with numbers you were saying earlier on about checking number plates and checking vin plates and looking at production uh, you know i had a um I had a 99 Suburban that I bought from a police auction. And uh, I'm just going to go through it real quick. And, and I had wound up doing the brake job on it. And I could not get the brakes to fit. And I'm thinking I did something wrong. And then I'm thinking the guy at the store gave me the wrong brakes. And this thing goes on and on and on and on. And then I find out that I actually have a factory. It was one of three made because I did do the VIN number. But it was one of three made that was a 2500 Suburban that was placed on a 3500, a full ton frame because it was for law enforcement so my friends were like that thing is worth you know and there's only one three <laughs> and i'm like it's a 99 suburban where you're just gonna have a hard time finding brakes for you know it's a you know? <laughs> so but but that, that that's the that's what i'm talking about is so when people bring you these things like if i would have brought you that suburban and i would have hit you up saying well it's one of three it's got to be worth a million bucks like find me the other two but it, again it's the it's got to be desirable it's, it's got to yeah. be desirable yeah. exactly um so what was the most desirable one that you guys found for your opinion on the show so far that is a good one. I did like the buckboard thing because I got to ride that around. Well, we're kind of we're eight episodes in, uh, of of thirteen, out. so five more to go. Um, what have we appraised so far? That's probably the most exciting. Um, the uh, mini truck, which created a lot of yeah. uh, controversy and kerfuffle online. Mini truck, a it Toyota was, mini truck, yeah. a full custom mini truck that went around the circuit. Not really a culture that I was very aware of, but okay. one of our appraisers, Randy Carlson, um, knows that market very well and understands that culture. So were we talking 79, 80? Yeah, but it was 1980, I think, wasn't it? 98? 80. 80. 80. 1980. Okay, all right. I, I got, was it later? I think it was later. Was it later? I think it was okay. Early '90s. So anyway, was it four wheel drive or no, 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 oh. lower. Oh, a low. Lower, okay, okay. Extra cab painted by you An know eighty somebody no, super like super special, and so you know we're all standing there. I walked by it a few times. Um, I'm a car guy, but not my specialty, not right. my area. I I do remember in the late '80s and '90s when. Mini trucking was a big thing. And they had the dumping bed and the, the bed that came up on, oh, the, yeah. on, on the one corner, you know, and I, I remember all that. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, Randy went through this and, and checked the market and did a lot of research and found out this was a very famous truck that had been worked on by all the right people. And oh, okay. He put an appraisal on it of, I think, $100,000. And the mini truck market went bananas. It was like, finally, we're validated. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're the hot rodders of the 90s. Uh, you know, we can sit and watch television and watch people uh, pay lots of money for hot rods from every other era. Right. Why not let the 90s into the fold, right? Yeah. 
And uh, it was a, a very big deal, wouldn't you it say was, that was? It was touched by some great hands. House of Color did the paint on it. It was this mad well, yellow yeah, so flames the, and everything all over it. So those are the things, though, right? I mean, it would, obviously, if if you know somebody, one of my buddies had built that car, it would it almost look the same. It would not have been worth that. It was the people that actually it worked on it. it. It was the number of magazine covers, the, oh, people, the people that had touched it. <laughs> right. Uh, Randy did a, a very good job researching it figuring it out and placing inaccurate value on it and there have been uh supposedly some private sales of of other very famous trucks in that range and so he was able to legitimize that that value to the public which mm. was a shock to what would you say 99 and a half percent it was a shock <laughs> to me too when you threw that number out i was like yeah. what yeah. And there was a lovely uh, end story to it. Uh, there was a panel missing from it. And because of the uh, the show and because of the online presence, social media, etc., that panel was actually found. It was a custom-painted truck bed. Right. And there was an, an access panel about the size of an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper and a, a removable access panel uh, that had some paintwork on it and uh, logos that you would pull out to look at maybe a chrome rear end or something. Okay. That panel was missing. The, the present owner didn't have it. Sure enough, the show airs. Internet goes crazy. All of a sudden, a guy in Georgia has it. Oh, I some, love this stuff. Somebody, I love this stuff. Somebody brokers, This is awesome. Somebody brokers a deal, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure the guy that owns the truck paid way too much for a panel, but... Uh, oh, he made him buy it. See, oh, it would have yeah, been cooler yeah, yeah. if they would have been just like, hey, no, here, no, here's no. Piece. I think it was like hanging on somebody's wall as a, uh, as a piece of a famous truck, so... It has been purchased and shipped to uh, to the owner, and hopefully we'll we'll get some more information. That's cool. I before we get on to the next question, I just want to give like you guys brought up the Toyota trucks and things like that. I know that uh, you know I, I'm I'm a guy of a certain age. Let's just say, and and when I was younger, we could pick up you know the Land Cruisers, the nice ones, uh, for for next to nothing. I mean, you know, five hundred, eight hundred bucks, you'd see them. And now it's become this whole generation yeah. of, of restoring them, and and the parts are available, and they're beautiful trucks. But now all of a sudden they're they're you know you're talking 60 grand for you know but something that's technically brand new do how do you guys feel about that type of industry i love it it's great really yeah, yeah i really do you, you don't think that it's like it's it's hurting like the the, the little guy and stuff like the people that are you know that that, that are doing it on the sun the little guys buy them they're right. cool and it certainly it suddenly progresses up with it, the value. It definitely hurts the little guy. There is a funny thing in the market where a little guy um, owns a car that supposedly has very little value. And you would think that he would be excited when it achieves a value. Right. No. Instead, he's pissed. <laughs> because... Now he has this thing that he doesn't want to sell, but it's worth more than he wanted it to be. And now it's kind of in his financial. Oh, I see what you're saying. His financial yeah, yeah, mental yeah, portfolio. Yeah. Like, why am I holding on to this 72 Maverick? Right. That, that, that you know, but because, but now somebody wants to give me $2,500 for it because some show built a couple of them. All now of everybody sudden, wants one. All of a sudden it gets brought up in the conversation uh, regarding a kitchen, a kitchen remodel. Yep. And it's like, hey, you know. We paid yeah. we paid three grand for that. Can you just leave it out there? You know, can you just not bother me? Yeah, you, yeah I was gonna say you must be uh, you must be privy to what goes on in my house. That that is exactly every time I drag something in and I work on it, the wife's like, you need to sell it because we need to redo the kitchen, or I need yeah. new I need new kitchen counters or new bathroom, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. 
the back to the show the uh any anything that was uh was there anything that was emotional was there anything where you guys oh, absolutely were, yeah. oh really yeah no further to to todd's point there's uh a couple of people that were very very emotionally attached to their cars for a whole host of reasons um certain lady once uh told me that her car was the only thing in her life that had ever let, not let her down uh-huh. so that was a bit uh a bit uh, tug on the heartstring stuff. Definitely. Um, what kind of car just, was it? Do you was, remember? <laughs> it was, it, it, <laughs> oh, he remembers. Oh, I remember. He, all, hasn't, he hasn't recovered from the hug at the end of it either. Chevy yeah. celebrity. <laughs> she was definitely good for a, for a hug. She was delightful. Um, it was an old Dodge, Coke bottle Dodge. Oh, um, nice. It was, um, but she put a 440 Magnum in it, and and it was her life. And it was and it was marvelous to see. She was she was and continues. We we stay in touch, and she continues to send me photographs of everywhere awesome. she takes this car. It was great. It was lovely. I, I actually have some of that too on the social media. Uh, there's a friend of mine right now, and her father owns a, a Deuce, like a '32 Deuce hot rod. That's like old school hot rod. And she's doing the same thing. She she got it from her dad, and now she's like taking pictures and just sending them all the time when she's driving it around. And I I, you know that that's the thing also. It's like you look at cars like that, and people don't realize when you drive that, you're driving like that technology and older cars, not necessarily better cars. They're just old. And it, it, and what I'm saying is it, it must be a, a chore for her to take it like a, on a hundred to 200 mile, you know, trip. So anyway, so I am always really super impressed with that. And that brings me to the next question. These people bringing the cars to you, you go into them. Uh, they get trucked into us. They, they get, get trucked tru- in. Yeah. They get trucked in from all over the country. The discovery channel and, um, the production company looked, far and wide and they brought them in um, by truck and they were there in storage and when it was time for them to go on stage then we got a chance to look at them we didn't have a lot of uh, time to like pre-discover pre-inspect them oh so you guys didn't have like they weren't like you know here's next week's lineup it was wow you know we're not actors and so uh, they didn't want us already knowing information and then being pretending pretending to no, be surprised I like about that it. I like on that on camera it was pretty much just like hey you're doing a 64 Impala make sure you're 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 up to date on stuff right. but then seeing the actual 64 Impala and and going through it was uh, a, a bit of a first time on camera and I think that it made for some some moments right I mean yeah. finding right. some interesting yeah. stuff right there on on camera uh, makes it a little bit more genuine did you guys get to drive any of them no no I did the buckboard <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> what it's is true. what is the buckboard it, it, i i want to google it but a, we're doing our a thing lever in the middle there's a there's a, a so it's a tiller with a no 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 there's, there's a, a spinning wheel under uh under power on the back and a lever in the middle between your between your uh ankles and you lower it down okay uh like an auto cycle and then you go trundling along it was uh horrific <laughs> And I, would, I didn't want to what get was, off. What was, was pushing running, it? I didn't want to get off what, it. What was, what was pushing it? What was the motor? Briggs and Stratton. Oh, that Briggs and Stratton. You thing. really like that oh, Briggs and Stratton? I love that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't get to drive the tank. I was disappointed in that. As, uh, somebody brought the tank. I can't imagine the emotional uh, story on that. What was it? It's like you brought it back. The, the, from... emotional, the emotion attached to that was, was pure fright on my part because <laughs> the guy has a tank. I had to value it as something that made him at least comfortable. I, I, I got to ask. I got to ask. What's, what's the power plant in that tank? Well, it's a... Uh, uh, what was it, four, six cylinder? Oh, God, I can't remember. Okay, all right. Because I, I know some of them actually have turbine engines in them and things like no, that. No, I mean, no, like jet motors. Yeah, it, it wasn't exotic. <clears throat> although wasn't. I, I was surprised when, um, see, 
when he does an appraisal, I don't get involved at all. This is not a collaborative show. <laughs> it's not a collaborative it's show. It's not a collaborative show oh, yeah. where there's four appraisers looking at everything, feeding and Arguing back and forth. No way. Oh. Nick had a tank to do. Good. I might have walked by it twice. I learned everything I needed to know about it last night on the show. <laughs> and that uh, it was not any kind of an exotic driveline at all. And it was, no. and it had wheels and tires rather no. than uh, the tracks. So it was street legal. It was a street legal tank, Home but I and everything. was shocked when he said he spent what thirty thousand restoring it mechanically. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh yeah, that was the other thing yeah. too. We just transporting it from everywhere. The thing weighed. We did. We, it, every car goes up on a lift, yeah. and uh, with Except a few that exceptions. One. Except we, that one. No, that would have destroyed. We worried about the building, and it was a cool building. But it was the old Firestone uh, factory and warehouse in uh, in Los Angeles that we uh, that we shot in. It was cool. So I okay. There's there's another one you guys touched on. So when you have these people bringing these cars that they're attached to, is, is any of them saying to you things like, "Oh, I just spent forty grand," or "I just spent this huge amount of money because I wanted this and this to this," and then you look at it and you go, "Yeah, now you know you're basically half of what that car is worth. What you just spent." We, we dashed a few hopes and killed yeah. a few dreams. Oh, well, Todd did. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people they they were either oh, going yeah. to spend some money or they had spent some money right. in restoration and the way that re restorations are going these days it's impossible to do them cheaply price yeah parts definitely cars are now so significantly older you're of a certain age yep. we're of a certain age we've been doing this for a long time they're now significantly older than when we started so that it's much more of an endeavor to take on a restoration now makes it expensive and then what's the the, the end result you've got a restored car yeah i, I kind of like them unrestored i kind of like them with a few dings in them and, and some stories. It's just just daily drivers. Just drive it and enjoy it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, too. That's what cars are made for. I, I always am about doing the doing a restoration, but then driving it. You know, I, I and even when I buy a new car, people always get on me about it. Uh, you know, why you, you look at the miles and I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Not drive it and let somebody else have it when I'm done? It's like I bought it so I can have fun with it. Right? And, and that's the key. I was just at a car show and we had that discussion. Um, find rare car, spend two, three hundred thousand dollars restoring it, put it on field, and show it to people. Right. I want to. I, I, I feel. I feel you on that too. I really do. And but I. I always kind of think that that's like a different piece. It's like all, then all of a sudden you're going like. Uh, like uh, what? What is the car like? The Z8, BMW Z8, right? That car to me, for some reason, I when it. When when I do see one, I literally stop and I stare at it. It's like to me, it's artwork. <laughs> I think that that is like you know that was like if I owned that car, I would find a way to put it in my living room and just it would just be a piece of art. And I think that there are some cars like that, maybe some that. And again, it falls into that whole artwork. It's what you like and what you don't like. Not a fan of the Z8. Oh, yeah. I am, but you're. Oh yeah, no, I'm. I'm the fine silver with, the, with the red leather interior. Ah, I'm. I'm fine with the Z8. I mean, I, I don't think it's the be-all end-all, but I, I think it's a very, very beautiful car. It's great. Yeah, they did a really interesting job of making that car look timeless. It's really hard to figure out whether it's old or new. Yeah. Sort of like a Rolex. You know, you yep. have to really know the stuff to oh. know whether it's. Eight days old or forty years old, or nine elevens. The the whole that that's a timeless design. I mean, they they don't look exactly like the old ones, but they you know that's the basic design has been there forever, and it still looks beautiful. Yeah, so I agree. Um, so what 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 is pieces of advice for anybody that's listening? That's that's a car person. This is the second car show in a row we've done, which is kind of odd, and uh, so I, I'm happy about it. Uh, so any piece of advice? So let's say. W 
upgrades like you're but you have you have a classic vehicle and you want to upgrade to like let's say disc brakes something like that what what upgrades would you suggest to people that are that are doing something or buying something not necessarily themselves but maybe wanting to have some restoration done well i prefer to look at the uh, vintage cars as a hobby so a hobby should give you uh some enjoyment so if it makes you happy to upgrade a stereo or upgrade the performance, uh, all of that is perfectly fine with me. As far as I'm concerned, there are no rules. Um, it is important to consider uh, the value. And so if you're going to make modifications, hopefully they can be reversed. Hopefully you save the old parts um, because the next guy may not have your same taste. And if you wake up one day and all of a sudden it's really valuable, and you've done something to compromise it, then you're going to be really disappointed and your hobby's not so fun. So no restaurant for you? No, uh, no, night, no, no 68 Camaro with the uh, LT motor in it or anything like I'm, that? I can accept those. I think that those are perfectly fine. But I think you march into those totally understanding the deal. Um, you might enjoy building it. You might enjoy driving it once it's done. Whatever your experience with it is, that's fine. But just remember that it's going to be worth pennies on the dollar. And so if you're okay with that, you go. if you're okay yeah. with that yeah. from day one, I'm okay with that. If you come to me crying, oh, I have 150000 in receipts. Why are you only <laughs> offering me sixty for it? That, that's, that's not my fault. Right. No, no, I, I feel that. And that, that's kind of, the, that's kind of the, the advice that some people need to hear. Um, how do you guys feel about the, uh, the whole resurgence of the American metal? Uh, and when I say that, I'm talking about like today you can pretty much go out and buy a, almost a completely new sheet metal and everything, Mustang, Camaro, Chevy trucks. I mean, they make everything now. You can actually go out and buy the, the body, like the, the entire body, brand new sheet metal with a, with a VIN number. <laughs> and you can build it yourself new. <laughs> I, I, I think that that is a great way to enter into the hobby. Um, that is, I, I, in my world, from my accent, it's MGBs. You can build the whole car. You, you have a VIN plate and build the whole car from the Moss catalog. Um, and I but but are these parts new? I mean, I'm curious because I didn't know that MGB was doing that also. So oh yeah, you can buy. Everything. Oh, so you can buy. Oh, everything. You can buy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. you barely need the VIN plate. Wow. Um, so. I think it's a great way to enter into it. You're going to end up with a, a brand new car that's fabulous, but it's made up of new parts. So you're not really restoring history. You're making a new car that has right. to look old. Um, and if that's what you want and that's what you want to drive, then, then great. That's, that, you're going to make a driver's car out of it. Um, but it, you're not restoring something that's old. Right. You're not going to end up with it. Looks old. It's not really actually old. Right. Um, and then further to the to the uh, to the resto mod thing. I think that there is a movement there. I think that there's there's the Camaro with the LT motor, but then there's the other stuff. Um, old Alfa Romeos with beefed up en engines yes. and disc brakes that make great rally cars. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a different experience. You're not building something that's perfect and original. You are building something that's there to be used in modern traffic in modern in modern environment. Um, if that's what your hobby is, then again, I'm all for that as well. Yeah. All right. So uh, starting to, so we're, we're moving, we're moving the, the, the progression. So electric cars, what is you, what are your opinions on the electric cars that are coming out? They seem to serve a, a great purpose. Um, I don't know anybody 
overly enthusiastic about their electric car. I think they tend to think of it as an appliance, the, um, which, is, which is fine. Um, most people use even their performance cars as an appliance. Yeah. So what's the, what's the harm in that? Um, the performance-oriented um, end of the electric car is another spectrum of the performance category. And uh, I think it's fine. There's some amazing performance out you of that. You didn't see any electric cars on your show yet? Nobody bringing in something from no. back in the day? No. No. They certainly, uh, there's a lot of conversions out there. People That's what buying, I was just saying. That people are buying crash Teslas and building um, Volkswagen vans that yep. are, you know, and that's, very cool. The engineering behind it is staggering. Um, but I wouldn't know how to value it. Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, that, I, I see that too. I, I saw a couple of those uh, at some car shows. There was a older, um, I almost want to say it was a shoebox Toyota, maybe... I don't forget what it was, or maybe it was the B, or maybe it was the Datsun B10, but it was they made, turned it into an electric car, and this thing was insanely fast, and uh, so I, I was pretty impressed with that too. Uh, the car culture, amazing! It, it 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 touches so many people, and the people that are involved. The only thing that I can say is everybody I've ever met has always been. Uh, very welcoming. Uh, it's always been really, really cool. Thank you guys so much for talking with us. And uh, and it's going to be Sticker Shock on Discovery, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. on Discovery. And uh, 10 p.m., gosh, guys, you got to be like eight. You know, it's a lot of people are going to DV. Everybody's going to be DVRing this thing. I know. Uh, I, I am. I am honestly looking very much looking forward to it. Uh, I'm actually going to be at work, but I can tell you, I'm going to be one of the guys that's DVRing it. And uh, I can't wait to see what you guys got going on. It sounds very exciting. Thank you guys for spending. Thank time you very much. Thanks, we guys. appreciate it. Well, all right. That was the guys. That was Todd and Nick. That's Todd Wortman and Nick Smith, and they are Sticker Shock, and it was a great talk. Sticker Shock, a new show on Discovery. It's going to be on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. So that's Discovery, 10 p.m. It's going to be Sticker Shock, great show. Hey, you guys, thank you all for listening. I always appreciate it. Uh, Obviously, you are listening to the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about it. Hopefully, uh, we can get some more people listening and learning and knowing. Uh, where do you find it? Well, that's the thing. You go on Google, you find, you subscribe, and you learn. That's that, That's what it's all about, right? Uh, so find and subscribe. That's the big thing. Hashtag CBSLA. The, those are the people that are making it all happen. You can find us all on the social media. Obviously, you can find me on Twitter and also Facebook. But uh, the podcast right now, that's what you need to do is uh, just subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. The, the producer, BJ Dahl, I got to th- give a huge thanks to him as well. And then uh, remember, Wednesdays, got nothing going on. Wednesdays, 10 p.m., Sticker Shock on Discovery. These guys were great.